Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. I want to welcome you to the show once again, and I invite you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews, where you could rate and review today's podcast, because we have an outstanding individual and contributor to the health world. His name is John Mertz. He has a wealth of experience in health. He was previously the vice president of marketing at CorePoint Health out of Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's also the owner and blogger at Thin Difference, where he helps leaders find common ground, the cross-generational differences between previous generations, current generations. We'll dive into a little bit more about that. But John also had a, a good impact across the different areas of health, including having chaired the HIMSS Social Media Task Force and growing several double-digit growth businesses into a really good place. So I wanted to welcome him to the podcast today to cover some of the aspects of just caregiving and the challenges associated with that and the cross-generational divide. So, so John, really want to extend a warm welcome to you. Thank you, Saul. So glad to be here and appreciate your great work. Oh, thank you so much, sir. I, I really appreciate that. And, uh, and so, you know, you've been around the block several times. You're in the process of, of making another transition. But the one thing that you've done so well is, is you've helped people grow and you've helped people think outside of uh, normal convention. What would you say today is what's driving you to stay in healthcare? Well, a lot of it is, I think, as most people, to some degree, it starts with uh, personal experiences uh, things that you go through personally as it relates to your health, as well as, you know, if you have aging parents or or even children issues, that always makes healthcare relevant and centered in a lot of that what we do, you know, depending on the time of a lot of those uh, care issues or, or transitions, uh, we get more involved in them. Yeah, you know, there's no doubt that all of us has a stake in health and personal, family, children. And so was there something in particular that was a catalyst for you to get you into it? Well, from a company standpoint, you know, I had been involved with a few startups in in Austin, Texas uh, earlier in my career. And when uh, a friend of mine got involved in uh, CorePoint Health as the CEO, there was kind of a natural connection at that point. And I had been, I had spent uh, probably, gosh, I don't even remember now, but 10 or 15 years in kind of general IT infrastructure. And with Corporate Health, it was an, obviously in healthcare IT and infrastructure. So, you know, looking at how the data flow works within a hospital or between enti- healthcare entities. And so there was a natural fit. But I've got to say, too, just by being involved with Corporate Health for a little over 10 years, it really did heighten my awareness to some of the challenges that exist for providers as well as for, you know, patients like me. Yeah, that's really interesting and appreciate you sharing that, that inspirational story sort of just navigated through a relationship with a friend, but you've stayed, I mean, being there for 10 years is definitely a testament to your dedication to the area. And so through those years, John, what would you say flash forward to today is, is a hot topic that should be on every health leader's agenda? 
Well, I think uh, I would say probably two or three things. Uh, I think one thing is just the, the whole, in my opinion, kind of maybe a shift in mindset from healthcare to wellness. Mm-hmm. And I think whether you're a 20-something or a 50-something, focused, being more focused on your wellness, I think that's something more activating to that term than healthcare. To me, healthcare is a little more passive. So that idea of wellness, I think, is very important. I think another area is just kind of where the digital wellness marketplace will go and how we'll have better experiences as patients, I think, is another key area. And then a the third one, I think, is, is really a big generational shift that's are uh, obviously getting older. So millennials and Gen Z are going to be tasked or, or have a responsibility to care for their parents, and there's going to be a number of challenges as that kind of shift happens as well. Yeah, that's a pretty cool uh, uh, analysis of sort of the things that are brewing across the health industry. And I was sitting over lunch yesterday with a colleague and he asked me, hey, you know, what do you think the impact of Amazon and and JP Morgan and all these folks getting into health. And um, really, it's around the areas that you're discussing. You know, it's, it's wellness. It's being able to make the experience better. Definitely not seeing a disruption in, in FDA-approved devices short-term, but the areas that you just covered, especially the area of caring for your loved one that, that may be going through some health issues, I think is, is a key component that's going to come with these different organizations joining the health space. Any thoughts on, on that? Yeah, I think there's a couple thoughts, I guess. You know, one is, because I've, I've gone through this personally, both with my mom and dad, you know, today families are more dispersed. So, you know, we're not living in the same cities or even necessarily in the same states. And when you are come into the role of, of helping your parents figure out kind of what's next, as well as just some of the care and, and uh, end of life considerations, it gets a lot more challenging from a distance. You travel, you obviously are, are there as much as you can be. But I think looking at platforms or, or ways to stay better connected into their unfolding care and how some of those decisions, how you can be more involved in some of those decisions, I think are going to be interesting and hopefully some good developments over time around that. And then I think, you know, the other side of it is, is that I know there's a lot more individuals that bring in their parents into their homes and, and take care of them for a lot of, a lot of reasons. And right. some of the same issues will come into play as far as how to manage their health, how to make sure they're, you have access to the records, how you can make the best decisions with them as, as well as with the care providers. So I think uh, there's a lot of work to be done, I think, to make that a more supportive process. But I think there's a lot of opportunity, especially in the demographic shifts, um, you know, there's going to be a lot greater need for that as well. Yeah, John, I think it's a really good point. As we talk about generational shifts and your focus, uh, so listeners, John has a blog. It's called The Thin Difference. Actually, just thindifference.com. We'll provide that in the show notes so you could access it. But in this blog, he focuses a lot on closing the gap between generations. And and as we talk about taking care of our, our loved ones that are experiencing health conditions, I think it's a it's a hot topic that needs to be focused on what are your thoughts here on, on this generational difference? You speak a lot about millennials and making sure that this gap doesn't widen with Generation Z. Like, what's the shift that needs to happen there? I think it's a mindset, mindset shift that needs to, to happen. You know, I don't know, you know, to be honest with you, I'm not sure what caused uh, some older generations to be a little bit more curmudgeon <laughs> as it relates to younger <laughs> yeah. generations. 
<laughs> generations. But it's a, to uh, state it simply, they just need to stop it. I've never seen, there's always been a little nitpicking about the younger generations through the years. So there's nothing right. there, but it definitely seems to have intensified with uh, millennials. And I'm not quite sure why. We should always be supportive of the next generation. You know, we should always try to leave the place that we work in or we live in a little bit better than before. I mean, that's been our history. So older generations have a responsibility to do that and to pass the baton well. And the younger generations have a responsibility to pick up the baton and make the most out of it. And there's a lot of encouraging things, in my opinion, about the millennials and, and the next generation as well. They're much more focused on purpose, I think, than ever I was when I was 20-something. And and we shouldn't be encouraging that rather than trying to tear some of that down. You know, if you want to put it from a, a personal or, or self-interest standpoint, you're going to depend on millennials to be successful because as older generations retire or need to rely on them for their care, you want the next generation to be successful. So anyway, I think there needs to be a mindset shift. There needs to be where we can sit down and from younger generations learn from the older ones and the older ones learn from the younger ones. I've learned a lot from millennials and Gen Z, and I hope I continue to do that. And it needs to be the other way as well. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And especially in, in this area of health, that we have to find a way to find this common ground. John, you focus a lot on common ground. You even have a term, an identity that you've created through the community at uh, Thin Difference. It's called the common grounder. Can you talk to us a little bit about the common grounder, the philosophy and what this is all about? Yeah, it's really, again, about not kicking problems down the road. So we need to really encourage a generation of problem solvers and solution uh, crafters because if you want to ding the older generations, I think we've kicked too many problems down the road, whether it be our healthcare system, our federal deficits and debt, whatever you want to throw in that bucket. There's our public infrastructure. I mean, there's a lot of things that are need to be more proactively addressed. And so what the philosophy around Common Grounder is really, let's share the diverse perspectives, the diverse opinions, but then let's, with respect and civility, begin to craft those solutions that are going to leave our place better than where we found it. So that's really the idea behind Common Grounders. Yeah. And I think listeners, in the perspective of, of health, what can we do to take this philosophy of taking a look at the common ground that we have with others and to resolve the problems that we all share rather than creating a divide between whether it be generations and even between health systems, right? What are the common grounds that you share with health systems in your area or companies in your area? And what can you do to leverage those common ground things to make it better for patients as well as, as your own business. Maybe I'd love to hear one of the things that you've experienced in your life and your business, John, that you would like to share as it relates to a setback or a failure and what you learned from it. Well, I've been lucky in life, I guess, in the sense that I've really had the experience of working with good people for the most part throughout my career, and that makes a, a big difference. You know, I think there's always going to be setbacks. I mean, probably one of the more challenging times I experienced in, in business life was a startup back in the late 90s. If you remember the late 90s, that's when the first dot-com boom happened. So yes. there was a ton of money fly, flowing into high tech. Uh, at the time, I was working for IBM. I mean, 
I mean, we literally, in our division, we probably had 30, 40 going away parties every Friday. <laughs> so <laughs> much the outflow to startups was, was happening. And I obviously caught that bug and, and went and did that. But we had the experience of ramping up. And then unfortunately, we also had the experience of ramping down. So when the, the dot-com bomb, you know, in the blue, then we had to adjust. And we were one of the fortunate companies where we survived, but it was with a lot of toil and really, you know, discouragement through kind of through the process. But you learn to persevere. You learn to figure out how to put the pieces back together and stay focused and continue, you know, kind of start that rebuilding process. And the other side, really, from a challenging perspective, fortunately, I was able to stay on the company kind of through this process. And, you know, there was a lot of trials and tribulations with that. But it wasn't half as bad as what happened, you know, when, when we had to lay off a lot of over half the company. You see how it impacts personal lives and how they need to also put the pieces back together and find a track in, in a very challenging economic time. And so, you know, I guess for a lot of reasons, that's probably one of the more challenging times for me in my business life. But it also, you know, really, I think, put the more of the personal focus on, you know, what really business the impact it has on personal lives. And I think we need to be more aware of that. And I think that's where, you know, if you shift that to healthcare, it's encouraging to see a lot of companies kind of take on more uh, wellness type programs within their companies. A couple of years ago, Aetna started mindfulness practices within their company, whether, you know, setting aside time for meditation, for yoga, for other types of activities to take, try to care for the whole person within their company. And there's others that are doing that as well. And I think that's a, a very encouraging trend. Yeah, John, I love your thoughts on wellness versus just healthcare, because a lot of folks are healthy. And what can we do as employers, right? If you're a leader listening to this and you have a, your employees, you know, what can you do to help them with their wellness rather than their healthcare? And there's a lot of things you could do. So think about that as a differentiator for you and your business, what you could do for your employees. So for this topic here, I'd love to just ask a couple questions for you through a lightning round. We do a course, a quick syllabus here. And so this is the ABCs of John Mertz in healthcare. Okay. And so I got four questions for you here, John, followed by a book and a podcast that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? I am ready. Awesome. What is the best way to improve health outcomes? The best way to improve health comes, I think to me, it, it starts with the individual. So I think we have a responsibility to embrace our wellness and figure out a program that works for us uh, to stay healthy. So exercise, I think is an important part of that. Diet obviously is a part of that and community is an important part of that. And so I think uh, the best way to improve outcomes is for as an individual figure out what works for you and grab somebody to join that community of, of wellness and lifestyle. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I think letting things slide. I mean, I think it's easy to say I'll exercise another day or I'll, or I'll just take the doctor's uh, prescription and not think twice about it. Mm -hmm. I think we need to be more proactive. You know, just a personal example, you know, I have bone issues. So I have mm -hmm. uh, uh, osteopenia. And so my doctor said, you know, you can take this pill to help build your bone strength. You know, don't worry about what it says on the internet. It's overblown, but that's an option. 
or kind of as an, through our conversation, it's like you can start lifting weights. Yes. <laughs> so I had a choice, you know, I could have eased, taken the easy road, right, which is just take the pill, or I could take the harder road, which was start weight trading. And I decided I didn't want to take a pill. So, you know, through that. weight training, I've been, my not my bone issue is always going to be there, but it's stabilized. It's not deteriorating. And as you get older, in particular, putting weights into your exercise routines is very important. So, you know, I guess the point is, is that listen to your doctor, there's, you know, nothing wrong with that. But then think it through, do some research, have a, a more intense conversation with the physician and, and figure out what's going to be best. Yeah, I love that, John. You know, I was at dinner with some customers the other day. And at one point, it just let's just be honest, I love meat. I enjoy eating it. <laughs> And just like several months ago, I, I looked and I saw my cholesterol. I took my exam and I noticed that it was above 200. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And so I ended up going on a plant-based diet for two solid months. And after that, it went from like 230 to 101. And I was sharing this story with a friend of mine at dinner. And he told me that, so he's he's in his 60s and same thing happened to him and his doctor recommended a pill and he went with the plant-based diet and it worked too. So to your point, listeners, it's important that we consider the alternatives as it relates to things that we could do with exercise and our diet before we take a pill. And medicine definitely has its role, but I, I definitely love that you mentioned that, John, and just think proactively. Yeah. Well, in, in a lot of ways, uh, food is medicine too. You know, it's obviously, You're right. and I think it's, it's funny that you made that shift because I don't know if you've ever seen the, uh, I think it's on Netflix, whatever, Forks Over Knives. I mean, it's a book too. Uh -huh. But it, it's very interesting to listen to these researchers, two researchers that came together and kind of came to the same conclusion separately. But huh. diet is a very important element and can have a very positive impact on, on your health. Yeah, I totally agree. And same with exercise, right? That could be a prescription. Right, exactly. I love it. No, and I'm, I'm glad you've caught that and now you're doing your weights and how often are you doing them? At least twice a week. I love it. And you got to keep it realistic too, right? I mean, you can't tell yourself I'm going to do two hours a day, five days a week, because then you'll just, uh, you'll drop it. <laughs> exactly. I think, yeah, it's, I've always joked that going into a gym, which I hadn't done in, in really up until probably in my maybe early fifties, going into a gym, you have to have a good sense of humor. <laughs> and you have, have to have a good sense of humility. And uh, as long that. as you have those two things, you can do anything. <laughs> I love that, John. Great message. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Read. And it's not just reading what's on the internet. We are definitely in an information overload society, I think. And I think a way to stay relevant is continue to read newspapers and select a few magazines and probably, start, you know, mix those up every now and then so you don't get stale in the perspective. And then the other thing is dive into some good books. You can't just go with what's current. I think you have to take a look back and read some history, some biography, and mix in some fiction, good literature that keeps your mind sharp and keeps you focused on the importance of story in life. I love that. What's one area of focus that should drive everything in a health organization? Well, I would say wellness. I think just that, again, that shift to being more active in the way you look at yourself in delivering care to others. I think wellness is, is a different, puts a different wrapper around what you do. And I think also, and a key part of that is within wellness, there's usually a good sense of community. 
And through that type of attitude, we get out together, exercise together, learn together, and be healthier individuals uh, through that wellness mindset. Wellness. Listeners, make wellness the center of what you focus on at your company and see what happens to your employees and to your patients. What book would you recommend to the listeners and what podcast would you recommend? So if we're reading a, a book right now, I think I've actually read it a number of years ago, but I think from a leadership perspective, it's very relevant and it's called Heroic Leadership by Chris Lowney. It shows the importance of uh, self-reflection and self-awareness and also just looking at some history elements of how good companies were built and have lasted the sense of uh, the test of time. So that, that would be the book I guess I would recommend at this point in time. And I'm a big Theodore Roosevelt fan. So any biography or book on Theodore Roosevelt, I would uh, add that. Awesome. And how about a podcast? That's interesting. So there, I mean, I'm a big uh, podcast fan. So a couple of, I think they're, that I find sure. interesting. One is Recode, which is, uh, looks at the media space. Huh. I find it very interesting. Just R-E-C-O-D-E? On, correct. Okay. And it's kind of out of my industry, but I think there's, uh, by looking at other industries like media, yes. I think you learn more about relationships and different business models. And, and it's, uh, it's been interesting. You know, the one that kind of goes in seasons, revisionist history. Uh, oh, yeah. Fascinating. Gladwell, have right? You, have you, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I haven't, you know, I've seen it. I haven't heard it though. But is, you recommend it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. What do you like about it? Well, it just, uh, it takes a, a look back at a series of events and there's always surprises and things that maybe you didn't know or unfolded a little bit differently than, or could have unfolded a little bit differently than you would have expected to. So I don't know, just, I think it kind of uh, spurs your mind to revisit history and look at how events uh, came together. I think that's a great recommendation. Uh, Gladwell does such a great job of making you rethink things. Love it. Listeners, don't worry about writing any of that down. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash Mertz. That's John's last name, M-E-R-T-Z. And you're going to find all the show notes as well as links to his blog, links to the books he recommended, as well as the podcasts that he recommended. John, this has been a ton of fun. Before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get a hold of you. Yeah. So my closing thought would be is to take the word activate and figure out how you can make that more come more alive in your life. And it's not only within your family life, your business life, and I think equally important to those two is within your community life. We need more people engaged in all levels of, of those three areas, as well as at times taking <laughs> okay. a step back because when you get out to nature, you become more activated in, in, your, hmm. uh, in your community, your family, and business life. A great message, John. And, and what would you say the best place for the listeners to get in touch with you or follow you is? Sure. So as you mentioned, uh, my blog, uh, Thin Difference, uh, is definitely a key place. I'm also on Twitter at uh, John, J-O-N-M-E-R-T-Z, and as well as at Thin Difference. Outstanding. John, I just want to say thank you once again. We really had fun with you and, uh, and learned a lot from the things that you shared with us. Uh, looking forward to having you on the podcast again soon. I really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 